What if I could hand you a book that taught you how to stick to habits and achieve your goals or how to wake up better, have more energy and be more productive? How about how to be more successful, love yourself and be happy or a book that can teach you how to make and keep friends, up level your long-term relationships, live longer, feel calmer, make better decisions and build resilience. Well, everything, everything I just said is but a sample of the chapter titles in Liz Moody's new book, 100 Ways to Change Your Life, The Science of Leveling Up Health, Happiness, Relationships, and Success, which came out on October 17th. Liz's own struggles led her to curate how to live her best life, and we all get to be the beneficiaries of her life's work. As Liz writes, this is the book she wished she had. This is a guide to your best life, a full life. It is 100 bite-sized tips on how to improve the quality of your life. I'm already implementing some of the steps. And in the episode, you'll hear me talk about the daily circ walk and getting outside first thing has already been so beneficial to me. I work from home. So there are days when I don't get outside until the afternoon, sometimes not at all. So adopting this has really made a difference. So who is Liz Moody? Well, first of all, she is a fellow podcaster. Her show, The Liz Moody Podcast, brings in experts from all fields of wellness to share expert research and tips on how listeners can live their healthiest and happiest lives. I've been on a bit of a binge of the show lately, and it is impossible not to walk away from each episode having learned something. In addition to 100 Ways to Change Your Life, Liz is also the author of Healthier Together, Recipes for Two, Nourish Your Body, Nourish Your Relationships, and is formerly a nationally syndicated newspaper columnist and a contributor to publications like Goop, Marie Claire, of course, I love talking to another member of the Marie Claire family, and Mind Body Green, a leading wellness website where she led the content strategy for the food section and later served as its editor at large. I honestly could have talked to Liz for hours, but just like Liz curated all of the best tips she's heard into this book, I tried to curate what I thought were the best tips from the book and bring them to you today. Take a listen. Liz, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. We were, you're a podcaster as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. And we were commiserating about my mic issues that I'm having over here. So I'm just glad that it's you and that you understand. Oh, it comes so much with the territory and everybody, I think in general in life, right? This is true that we always think we're inconveniencing people and Mm -hmm. that they're going to be annoyed or angry with us. And people are so much more empathetic and they can put themselves in our shoes all the time. That's true. And thank God for that. So listeners, we are kind of flying blind here. I think the mic's set up, but I'm not really sure. So hopefully the audio is as great as this conversation is going to be. But I want to start, Liz, by reading a little from the introduction of your book, which is where we get to learn a little bit about you before we dive into holistic wellness. So you write, I do think though, that there are always opportunities to learn and grow even in the hardest situations. And then as you begin struggling in your own life, you write, there I was the excess, excuse me, the existentially, I can't speak today, ambitious child, the person who was so intent on seizing every single moment. And I couldn't even get out of bed. I wasn't living my best life. I wasn't living any sort of life. 
a layer of depression descended on top of my anxiety. Where had I gone so wrong? So from there, and I promise I'm going to ask you a question at some point, but I love this background. So from there, you start emailing experts looking for answers basically on how to live your best life or probably at that moment, just a better life than what you were living. And one more you write, and slowly I got a sense of why I was feeling the way I was feeling and advice on some different pathways that might help me feel different. And I also learned an important lesson on my road to healing that our best life is the culmination of every part of our mind, body, and external environment. So the introduction was so powerful to me, Liz. I, w- I just want to read one more passage and I don't normally read this much, but that should show you how much the it meant to me. So Finally, this is the book I wish I'd had when I was lying alone in that bed in London. This is the book I want to give to my sister, my best friends, my mom and dad, and all of my dear listeners. This is a book of action. This is a guide to your best life. Okay. What is one that as soon as I ask this comes to mind and is as the best step that you've adopted personally that's changed your life the most for the better and has been the most effective for you? I love that question. And I think my answer, I'm going to give you a little bit more of an abstract answer, but then I promise I'll give you a more specific one. I just did the longest (laughs) question of all time. So you do whatever you have to do. So the more abstract answer is that at every moment in my life, different things are the best tip. There are a hundred tips in here. And the reason that I designed the book that I, the way that I did, it has 18 categories that cover Mm -hmm. all different facets of your life is so that you could have it be a forever resource. You could have it out on your coffee table. And at a moment when you're looking to up-level your friendships, maybe you're feeling a little bit lonely, maybe you are missing some community in your life. You can reach for that section and find tips and takeaways that will directly help you in that area of your life. Maybe in another moment, you're feeling a little bit low energy. You have a section for that. I really wanted it to be a resource that would provide tools and solve problems for people in all different facets of their life. And it's really done that for me. So all of these different tips, I'd say my favorite tip three months ago was probably something around regaining my energy because I had just finished writing the book and Mm -hmm. I was coming off the back of that. And right now I'm in the middle of this press cycle and it's probably something that's more about stress relief or productivity or things like that. So I want people to think about the fact, and I think this is a really underlooked thing when we talk about habits and goals and things we're incorporating in our lives, but the habits that are serving you now are not going to be the habits that served you six months ago or a Mm. year ago, or are going to serve you six months into the future or a year in the future. It's so important to always be reevaluating and to be asking yourself, what do I need in this moment? What's the best way for me to spend my time I don't expect people to pick up this book and incorporate all 100 tips. That's Mm -hmm. absolutely crazy. I don't want people to be spending all of their time trying to live their best life because I want people to have the time to enjoy their best life once they're there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And along the way on the journey. So I really want people to be picking and choosing the tips that resonate with them moment to moment. If we want to get into specifics, mm-hmm. I'm on press tour right now. My schedule is absolutely insane. I have mm-hmm. a tip in the book about doing micro workouts. Yes, we were actually going to talk about that. Yes, yes, yes. I love I- Love it. It is so nice. So there's a ton of research around the fact that micro workouts in some ways 
are more effective than even that 30 minute longer workout, hour long, longer workout that we're often all striving to incorporate into our days. There's obviously so many research benefits to the longer workout and I still try to incorporate them. But when I don't have time, and I say this in the book, if I had to choose between the two, I would choose the micro workout. So I've been doing that. I'll have a meeting and then I'll have a little five minute break and the research shows even five minutes is enough to have an effect. And I'll go for a little five minute walk around the block, or I'll just do five minutes of stretches or five minutes of squats. And it's so reassuring to know that you can make a real difference on a physiological and psychological level in that amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as you were speaking, I thought, okay, well, maybe they're not, the readers aren't going to adopt all 100 of these tips immediately, but this is the kind of book that you want to have on your coffee table or at your bedside table and you can implement maybe, I don't know, one a week. And so that would be two years. And I think that's, you know, or maybe two a week, maybe go crazy and do two a week. Uh, some of them are, are really, some of them I'm already doing. So that's good. But wait, which ones are you already doing? Oh my gosh. Now you would ask me that, right? And so um, mm-hmm. I am already, well, I've, since I've read the book, I've started doing the fresh start effect, which we're going to talk about mm-hmm. in a minute. And that has helped me so much because I tend to get overwhelmed with mm. like, all that is going on. And I just call the day a failure and the fresh Mm. start effect, which again, we'll talk about in just a second allows me to say, okay, at 11 o'clock, when the clock hits the top of the hour, we're going to start over. And that has really helped me. And like, again, well, why don't we just get into it? So the fresh start effect is under the section, how to stick to habits and achieve your goals. So I also like the bite-sized milestones habit, where instead mm-hmm. of having this big, huge goal, this was is very helpful to me right now in terms of some of the things I'm working on with my career, breaking mm-hmm. it down into bite-sized milestones. I love that. Also a fan of a solid morning routine. I know you are. Okay. You introduced, I want to talk about this. You introduced me to the daily Cirque walk. I have not yet implemented this because I'm not a morning person and I'm being lazy, but this is a game changing thing for you. It does require getting out of bed first thing in the morning and hitting the pavement for about 10 minutes. So can you tell us about the daily Cirque walk? I want to start by pushing back against the idea that you're lazy because you're not a morning person. I, I really, think well, we'll talk is, about chronotypes too, because yes, yeah. I'm not a morning person. I'm just not. I think this is a very pervasive wellness myth and it makes a lot of people feel really terrible about themselves when in oh, fact, so we true. all have different chronotypes. We all thrive at different times based on our internal body clock. And so asking yourself to wake up at 5 a.m. If you have an evening chronotype, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up to not be doing your best work and you're setting yourself up to feel bad about yourself on a pretty regular basis. So mm-hmm. I really push back against the notion that only morning people are Thank like you. the bright, shiny gold star wellness people. Thank I am not so a morning much. person either. So we are in this together, Rachel. Thank you. I appreciate you saying <laughs> um, that the world is designed on an eight to five schedule and that is what I do, but that's not what I would do if I had the choice. A hundred percent. And we do have a tip in the book about how to match your schedule with your energy levels and how to do that as much as possible, even given the constraints of the world. And I think that can be powerful to even take 
micro parts of your day and match them in micro ways to your energy. Mm-hmm. But the Cirque Walk, you got to join the Cirque Walk family. Yeah. Cirque is short for circadian rhythm. And essentially it's just as close to when you wake up and the sun comes up as possible. Mm-hmm. So if you wake up at 830, if you wake up at nine, just go outside then and you're setting your circadian rhythm, your clock for the day. I would say try to get outside before 10. Ideally, I think most of us are getting up before 10, maybe not mm-hmm. me in college, but um, <laughs> in general, just aim for before 10 a.m. And that 10 minutes outside, 10 to 20 minutes outside with that morning light in your eyes is going to set your body's internal clock for the entire day. So that's Mm going to affect not only the things that people immediately think of, like our energy, you're going to have better sleep, but also because 99% of the cells in your body are governed by our body's clock, it's going to impact things like your hormone, your microbiome. You're telling all of these different cells in your body what time it is so -hmm. that they can function optimally. And I, that, okay. By the time this episode comes out, which will be soon, I'm going to be doing my daily circ walk. And I will tell you that I am in the introduction and I will never lie to you listeners. And so I'm going to start doing it. And I want to actually, you brought up chronotypes. I want to go there in the same section. You mentioned chronotypes. What is a chronotype and why does it matter? Our chronotype is essentially our body's natural clock, our body's natural rhythm that it likes to be on. And some people tend to be morning chronotypes. Some people tend to be evening chronotypes. You can figure out your chronotype. There's actually some great online tests to figure out what your chronotype Mm -hmm. is. And the reason that's important is because some people will function better in the later hours of the day. Some people will function better in the earlier hours of the day and matching the rhythms of your day to your chronotype can be really, really helpful. Even down to things like if you're an evening chronotype and your partner's always wanting to have these like long planning meetings in the Mm. morning, that might be a lot for your brain. You might end up getting into arguments as a result of that. Similarly, if you're a morning chronotype and your partner's always trying to have big conversations about the state of the relationship at the evening that could lead to a lot of arguments as well. So just arming yourself with the information about what your body's natural tendencies from a clock perspective, from your body's internal clock perspective, arming yourself with that information can be really helpful in so many aspects of our lives. Yeah. It really is about self-awareness, isn't it? Like just knowing yourself and knowing how you work and accepting yourself and and meeting yourself where you are. And a hundred percent, I think self-awareness is the key to life because self-awareness is the thing that allows us to push back on the shoulds. There are so many people, there are so many systems, structures, companies trying to tell us how we should live our lives because they want us to buy things because they want us to reinforce their own choices and the more self-awareness we have the more we're able to say no this is my life and this is the way that I want to live it that's right and listeners obviously we don't have time to run through all 100 steps but I did pick out a few that really spoke to me some of which again I was already doing some of which I had never heard of before and I and I have read a lot of make your life better books but I said I was going to talk about the fresh start effect and then we went off to something else so what is the fresh start effect 
The fresh start effect is based on research from Dr. Katie Milkman. She's at Wharton. She's a behavioral scientist. I love her book, How to Change. That's a great book too. She is phenomenal. She is the guest that came on my podcast. We did an episode and the episode, honestly, if you're reading the title and I know that you have an editorial background, if you're reading the title, you'd be like, there's a lot of promises in this title. Mm -hmm. It's like how to get in shape how to save more money, how to achieve your, like it's so many promises, but honestly, her work speaks to any goal that you want to achieve because she studies the science of habit forming and Mm -hmm. goal setting and achieving the things that you want in your life. And I've had so many podcast guests cite her research. So it's such a privilege and honor to get to actually speak to the person who's probably the most cited person on the podcast. But the Fresh Start Effect is based on, based on the idea that we see our lives in this almost narrative format. We don't see it as just like one linear path. We see it as like a book. So when you turn the page of the book, you start a new chapter, that's a fresh start. So a fresh start, you are no longer the person that you were on the previous page. You are no longer the person that you were in the previous chapter. You have a break from that person. You have a fresh start. A fresh start can be a Monday. A fresh start could be, as you said, the start of a new hour. There's a reason that people set goals on New Year's Eve. And there's actually some science, despite there's some skepticism in the world these days about New Year's Eve and like, should we set goals? Should we not? Is it a bunch of hooey? There's actually some science about the fact that we are more likely to stick to goals that we set for the new year because we don't view ourselves as the same person that we were the year before. Mm -hmm. So the incredible magic of the fresh start effect is that science shows that if you can identify a fresh start, um, a new cafe that you're working at, a new job that you're starting, a new part of your apartment that you're gonna turn into your meditation corner, any type of fresh start that you either create or identify that's naturally occurring in your life, that's gonna make it more likely for you to stick to your new habit, routine, or goal because you're not the person that you were before the fresh start. Mm -hmm. I love to say that buying this book, buying 100 Ways to Change Your Life is a really wonderful fresh start. And I think all books are like this. We all feel that sense of possibility when you go into the bookstore. At least I do. I love bookstores so much. They're like my happy places. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that you... The second you purchase a book, you're no longer the person that you were before you had that book. You're yeah. creating a fresh start for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I we mentioned micro workouts, or you mentioned micro workouts. Actually, I want to I want to touch on that. So this is under the how to have more energy section. Micro workouts. Uh, I've always thought I'm not a big worker outer. I I do like to Mm -hmm. swim, but now we're kind of getting into cold weather and I don't have an indoor pool, only an outdoor pool. And so I think it's true that the best workout is the one that you do. So tell us about micro workouts. First of all, a hundred percent, the best workout is the one that you do. I have a tip in your book. That's about figuring out your why Mm -hmm. and the more powerful of a reason that we have for something the more likely we are to do it. And a reason being I love doing this thing is one of the most powerful reasons that there is. So finding a workout that you genuinely love, and if you can't find a workout that you genuinely love, which I'm raising my hand, I'm not a workout person either. Mm -hmm. Maybe playing tennis, I love tennis. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you can find a workout that you love how you feel afterward, that can be really helpful too. I also have like five to 10 books, tips in the book. I feel like about incorporating workouts into your life because I'm not a workout girly and I Mm -hmm. had to 
rely on the science to turn myself into one. So there's there's quite a few tips that are helpful with the workout thing. But micro work, workouts are incredible. It's really helpful for a number of different reasons. One is that you're ambulating throughout the day, you're getting your blood moving, you're combating the damages of a sedentary lifestyle. Another is that you're activating your body's muscles, which serve as natural glucose sponges. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of science in the book about our metabolic health. When people think metabolism, sometimes they think about it, unfortunately, in this 90s magazine way of like, Mm. speed up your metabolism Mm -hmm. so you lose weight, so you look a certain way. And it's unfortunate because our metabolic health is actually extremely important for our entire body's health. And it has nothing to do with the 90s magazine body shaming way. It in fact has to do with giving all of the cells in our body the energy that they need to thrive. So taking care of our metabolic health is one of the best things that we mm-hmm. can do because every single cell in our body is powered by our metabolic health, our mitochondria, if you want to get into it, which we do on a deeper level in the book. But keeping our metabolic health in line is super, super, super important. And doing these micro workouts essentially activates your muscles, which are going to Mm -hmm. soak up glucose from your meals. They're going to elongate your blood sugar curve, and they're going to keep your metabolic health in a much more stable and healthy place, which is going to have cascading benefits for your entire body health. Love that. And, you know, I listen to a lot of wellness podcasts. I listen, including yours. I listen to, um, I read a lot of wellness books. I hear over and over again, this thing about the cold shower, right? Mm -hmm. So I actually started doing it and I started doing this. uh, This is an example of one that I was already doing. I started doing this a while ago. I, the whole Wim Hof thing, I've heard about this thanks to Wim Hof. And so, so does this really help and why does this help? A cold shower does really help. There's a lot of great research on cold exposure, and we're just in the nascent stages of that research. I expect much more to come out in the future. Kind of cool thing about cold exposure that I feel like a lot of people don't talk about is you're getting a certain amount of cold exposure simply by going outside in the cold. So Mm -hmm. there's different levels of cold exposure. If you're going outside in the winter in a cold environment, you're actually getting some of those same benefits. And a lot of the benefits start, I think it's 57 degrees. Don't quote me. It's in the book, but it's a much higher temperature than we often talk about it being too, which I personally find nice because it means you don't have to be in this absolutely freezing cold plunge situation. The easiest way I find to incorporate cold exposure is to take a warm shower first. And then I end with two minutes of cold. And there's really great research about its impact on our hormones, on our metabolic health, which we were just talking about the importance of Some of the research I really love personally, though, is about how it helps to balance our dopamine levels. Mm -hmm. And our dopamine is responsible for our motivation throughout the day. And essentially, by balancing your dopamine, by doing these little doses of kind of hard things, you can be doing something like a cold shower, it can be reading a challenging book. I love Dr. Anna Lemke, who is the Stanford scientist that I had on my podcast to discuss dopamine. She said that like taking your groceries to your car in the rain, walking home with your groceries in the rain, doing these little hard challenges actually begins to balance your dopamine levels in your brain. And many of us, our dopamine levels are being pressed on the other side all the time by things like our phone, by things like food that's formulated to really press on that. So it begins to push that back into balance so that we can again, find more motivation and dopamine isn't quite 
related to pleasure. It's, there's a lot of confusion around that, but having balanced dopamine can help you find more pleasure in smaller moments in your life. And a mm-hmm. cold shower, again, you're just gently pressing on that balance side of the dopamine levers. So you're actually combating things like being on social media too much. Yes. Okay. That is so good. Again, we could literally do like a hundred episodes on each one of the steps, but (laughs) I am always looking to be more productive. And I loved the aptly titled how to be more productive section, (laughs) the rule of three mapping Mm. your day, implementing social commitment devices. So I've heard it said for years. And so here's another example of one that I was already doing. I've heard it said for years that work expands or contracts to fit the time you allow it. Meaning if you give yourself 15 minutes to clean the living room, you will somehow, and this, this works. Like I'm telling you, this works. You will somehow be able to get it done in that amount of time. But then if you gave yourself 30 minutes, to clean the living room somehow, you will find a way to fill that space. So your book calls on us to artificially limit your time. So how and why does this work in the brain? It's so interesting. It's why there's also been all these incredible studies about four-day work weeks where not only are people happier, they're less burnt out, but they're literally still accomplishing as much and companies are finding just as high of success levels. So there's a few reasons why this works. I'm just going to highlight a few of them. There's a number in the book. We kind of dive deep into the phenomenon because I find it fascinating if we're able to compress the amount of time that we're spending on all of our tasks, we're getting back that time to spend on the things that truly matter to us. And our time is our most precious precious resource. So it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite tips in the book. But one of the reasons is that we overestimate the amount of time or underestimate the amount of time that we need for things. We're just really bad at that time estimation. But so by setting a specific amount of time, instead of relying on us kind of guessing, we're like, no, it needs to be done in this amount of time, which is really interesting. It also has a huge impact on procrastination. We lose a lot of time at the beginning of something by trying to talk ourselves into doing it. And if we've compressed that time, if we've artificially limited it, Mm -hmm. we're more apt to get over that procrastination hump because Mm -hmm. we know we have less time to complete the task. Yes. I did that today, actually. So I had a lot that I needed to get done today on deadline. And so I'm last night, I mapped out my day, like seven to eight, eight to nine. And like, I needed to get this done and I didn't do it perfectly. Let me tell you, but I, but my procrastination was much lower because I was like, got to get this done by nine. And I mean, I didn't like it. I didn't need to get it done by nine, but I, but I said, I did. That's the artificially setting time limits. And so, and it, and it worked, like I actually was able to get like, so I was um, transcribing an interview right before I got on our call. And I was like, you've got to get this done by five Oh five. So I can have time to get on and get ready for you. And I did it. And I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. And I did it. So it really does work. Like I'm, I did get a lot done today. And so the tip works as if you didn't know that, otherwise you would not have put it in the book, but (laughs) no, I I love it. It's so true. I would love for everybody listening to pick one thing. Maybe it's clean in their house. Maybe it's doing a work project. Maybe it's going through your email inbox, but set yourself a time limit that's slightly less than what you think you should give yourself for it. If you're going to clean your house for 45 minutes, give yourself 25 minutes. And Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to surprise yourself with just how much you get done. 
No kidding. And by the way, listeners, I should take a pause here and say that do nothing is actually one of the 100 steps list. I excel at that one. I'm really good <laughs> at that one. Um, and, the, and the chapters in the book are also bite sized So it doesn't feel overwhelming at all. And you host, we mentioned this kind of at the top of the show, you host an incredible podcast about how we can all live our best life. Your podcast is called the Liz Moody podcast. I've been binging it since reading the book. I've got, I think I'm about to get on the road as soon as we're done with our call. I've got four episodes episodes in the queue in my same podcast <laughs> to listen to. Um, and at the end of each habit in the book, you list podcast episodes to reference, which is how I found a lot of the episodes I'm listening to, as well as outside resources to reference too. It's, that's very helpful. So this is truly one of those books where you could highlight every single page thereby rendering it useless because every page is totally <laughs> highlighted. So I really had like coming up with narrowing down the questions to a 20, 25 minute interview was hard because there's a lot of great stuff here. So how long have you been studying how to live your best life? Cause this isn't, this is a lifestyle for you. Like living your best life is a lifestyle for you. Yeah. To the points that you were talking about at the beginning, I would say I've been a student of trying to live your best life since as long as I can remember, I've always been a very experientially ambitious person. I've always wanted to pack the most into each day, even as a child. And this feels morbid, but I have a tip in the book about think about your death. And it's a really interesting way to zoom out and get perspective on the things that matter and the things that are really important within the noise of the day-to-day -day living. And I would do that as a child. And I feel like it made me acutely aware of how precious my time on this planet was. And then I would say in a very specific and concrete way, when I experienced my anxiety and my agoraphobia that you also referenced at the beginning, I started emailing all of these experts and really turning my journalism background into how can we solve our problems? How can we solve our struggles? And how can we compile a roadmap towards living the life that we all want to live? And the podcast has let me push that so far beyond anxiety, or I was a food editor at a magazine when I was mm -hmm. back in the editorial world. Um, and now I get to interview the world, the world's best experts in so many different categories from gastroenterologists to neuroscientists to registered dietitians, everybody and anybody habit experts. So it's been a really wonderful journey. Yeah. And it's, and the great thing is, is that you're taking us on the journey with you, you know, you, as you learn, we learn, and mm -hmm. that is very appreciated. It's kind of like you're curating how to live your best yes. life for us. Yes. And, 100%. And, and you're doing the work, but we're getting to reap the, the benefits. Of it. So <laughs> I want to come up. I want to talk about two concepts I'd never heard of that are probably about to change my life. So the first one is having a personal bill of rights. I mm. love that's powerful stuff. So what is this and why does this matter? This came out of an interview with Dr. Aziz Gazapura, and we did an entire episode on how to be more confident, how to make better decision decisions. And he's just incredible. This episode is one of the most like feel good, empowering episodes. One of my favorite tips that he shared with me was to create a personal bill of rights. So we know what the bill of rights is for the United States of America. It's these rights that we are all granted as citizens of this country. Your personal bill of rights are rights that you are holding yourself and others who interact with you to that you have chosen for yourself. So until we sometimes define these rights, we 
feel like they're being violated all the time. We feel that sense of violation, but we're sometimes not even able to put our finger on the thing that's being violated until we say, I have a right to share my opinion. And then suddenly you're aware of all the times that people have stopped you from sharing your opinion or made you feel like your opinion wasn't worth sharing or wasn't valid or you didn't deserve to be in that room. Mm -hmm. You create your bill of rights. It's an ongoing document. I have a number of sample rights in the book to get you started, but it should be personal to you. It should be living and it should be something that you reference regularly so that you know what's important for you and you make sure that other people adhere to that as well. Yeah. And the second, the second thing that I think is about to change my life, and I need to do this desperately, I need to do this this week, the concept of taking a life admin day about every Mm. two weeks. So can you explain what this is and how it's helped you personally? I am adopting this as soon as possible. Like I just need a day where I just sit down and do the little stuff. You know what I mean? Like the ticky dot stuff that I've been letting go and letting go. And I need to, I need to do it. So can you explain what that is? Sometimes anxiety is our childhood trauma. Sometimes anxiety is the state of the world. Sometimes it's these big, heavy things. But sometimes it's the fact that we have five packages that we need to return and we haven't cleaned up the dishes in our sink and we have a pile of laundry on our bed and 10 emails to get back to. And it's all of these little niggly tasks that are adding up in your brain and putting your brain into this state of chaos. So what a life admin day is, is it's taking a time out of your life. It can be a few hours. It can be an entire day. It can be 30 minutes, but you're dedicating that time to just getting rid of the little niggly bits that are taking up that mental Mm -hmm. space. So you can have that mental space back to use it for the things that really matter. Yes. I need like. I'm going to hold myself to this. I'm doing that this weekend. Like I've got to, because I love like every two weeks, I think like Mm -hmm. every two weeks is a really nice place to start. Do it for like three hours. You can make it a fun experience. There's a tip in the book called temptation bundling, where you take hard (laughs) things and you combine it, you combine them with things that you enjoy to make them more pleasurable. A life admin day is great for that. So you can get a snack. You really like put on some great music and just tackle those little niggly things. Mm -hmm. You're going to feel such a sense of spaciousness that you're going to want to do it again and again. I cannot wait. Well, as we get to the end of our time together, unfortunately, I I should mention here that interestingly enough, I've not brought up any of the nutrition. (laughs) I did bring up micro workouts, but there's a lot of content around nutrition in here too. One of the steps is to eat 30 types of plants per week, which sounds mind boggling to me because Mm -hmm. I, this is what, this is an area where I struggle eating three at this point would probably be a victory for me, but we're going to work on it. So you give lots of ideas in the book as to how to do that. So I'm curious what your favorite way is to add veggies into your day. Cause you give a lot of good tips. So how do you get your veggies in? First of all, I want people to view it as a pleasure, not a chore. Mm-hmm. I used to also not be a vegetable eater. And then I realized that vegetables prepared properly were absolutely delicious. I don't mm-hmm. want anybody struggling through like bland steamed broccoli. I want people to be excited about every bite of food that they're putting in their mouth. That is my food philosophy. And that's super important to me. So in the name of that, I would say one of my favorite ways to add beautiful plants into my day-to-day diet is with fresh herbs. Fresh herbs have so many phytonutrients. They make your food look beautiful. There's nothing more satisfying than 
microwaving a plate of brown leftovers and then you tear up some fresh basil on top and all of a sudden it's a gourmet restaurant quality dinner it looks stunning Mm. it's delicious you want to eat it we eat with our eyes we eat with our nose we eat with our mouths herbs help with all three of those things they make your food taste better they make it better for you they make it look better I love fresh herbs I try to incorporate fresh herbs as often as possible Mm. That is, I, I think I can, I can do that. And like, and it tastes good. So yeah, it tastes we, good. And you can put it on anything. Like you yeah. can stir some frozen strawberries into your oatmeal and then tear up some fresh basil on top. You can mm-hmm. put some fresh thyme on your salad at lunch. You could put some fresh dill in your soup. There's so many uses for herbs. You can chop up fresh parsley and it just adds that note of freshness to anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a particularly strong flavor, but it makes it taste almost like it came from the garden, which is Mm. so beautiful. We'll be trying that for sure. And my last question for you, Liz, is when readers close the book, what do you hope they will say about it at the end of their journey through the 100 steps? I hope they say, I feel so empowered to live the life of my dreams. Mm -hmm. My goal for this book is for people to realize that they have all of the tools they need to live their best lives. They just don't know what they are yet. Nothing in this book is going to ask you to buy anything new. I'm so proud of that. It's not going to ask you to spend any money. Mm. The vast majority of these things also aren't going to take you extra time. They're just going to be little tweaks to the way that you're already living that are going to make a huge difference. So I hope people feel empowered to live the life of their dreams because they've had the resources all along, I'm just shining a spotlight on them. Exactly. You, you're you just curating it for us and making exactly. it that one step easier to live our best life. And I learned so much from this book. The question I asked again, were just a sample of all that's in here. I had a big long list and I had to whittle it down for time. I, it, from tongue scraping to creating a life <laughs> that's never boring list to creating a post-work ritual. I really wanted to talk about tongue scraping, but we'll do that another time. Setting a news boundary, which I'm already doing that. I, I, I've had to. Um, and cognitive offloading. There, there's just not a single page <laughs> wasted here. So listeners and Liz, I will leave you with one of my favorite pieces of advice from the book. And that is one of the simplest ways to transform your life is to master the concept of knowing what's in your control, underscore, 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 and what's out of it. That's a, that's boom. That's a drop the mic situation right there. The book Mm -hmm. is 100 ways to change your life. The science of leveling up health, happiness, relationships, and success. It is out October 17th. Thank you so much, Liz, for being here today. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you so much for being here today, Liz, and thank you for this book, which I envision being my constant companion for a long time to come. Again, the book is 100 Ways to Change Your Life, The Science of Leveling Up Health, Happiness, Relationships, and Success, and it is out right now. Listeners, I know I always say this, but when I tell you that we have some incredible episodes coming up in season eight, I am very, very serious. This season is fun because we have a mix of brand new books like this one, as well as throwback picks, a little fiction, so much across the board. But before we continue our conversations with authors next week, stay tuned for a special mini episode in the next few days about movies to watch coming out in the remaining days of 2023 that are pulled right from nonfiction books like Leonardo DiCaprio's next movie and the biopic about Priscilla Presley. Talk soon.